people deluded i'm back again welcome back to another edition of the deluded podcast i hope you're doing well and fine this monday morning whoever you are wherever you are and whatever you're doing you know if you're going to work if you're looking after children if you're studying you know if you're furloughed you know whatever i hope you're all doing well and safe and stuff like that and first and foremost health is wealth and obviously in what's happening globally you know it seems like we're always just when we're about to get over this pandemic it seems to be claiming more lives it is what it is um so yeah i hope you're all safe and well and things like that and you know obviously this podcast is almost the last of this season of sorts and that you know there's no football i know there's champions league and we'll be here to speak about it but where England is concerned, you know, excluding the, the championship, top flight football is done. You know, we've got our league champions in Liverpool. Relegation has been decided. Arsenal won the FA Cup. You know what we're on, you know, 14 times. Number 14 stepped up, you know, coming from behind. It was a decent end to a season for Arsenal. Obviously, the FA Cup, it means something. It's the FA Cup. People are in the business to win trophies. But in the grand scheme of things, beyond just a good moment, you know, a good little reward for Arteta and the boys for all working together to improve collectively since Arteca, Arteta, sorry, Arteca's um, took the helm um, and, and winning the trophy and, you know, providing some inspiration for more trophies and things. It doesn't mean anything because, you know, you look at our league table. Obviously, the financial stuff we get at via qualifying for the Europa League now is decent. Obviously, we get to banter Spurs fans about the lack of trophies and obviously Arteta's retired and won the FA Cup before they've won it. It's all good for these little banter things there, bragging rights over Chelsea. But on a serious note, you know, it's good for Arteta. It's the first monkey off his back. But I hope this pr provokes Arsenal to invest. I'm, I, I know I'm not going to sit here and see some of the names I'm linked with, you know, Partey, Ancatino, Anabami and New Deal and all these these other names but what i all i want is a center half or two i know listen ideally i'd like a center half a center mid two center halves two center midfielders and a winger i'm prepared to just concede two signings if you bring me a center half and a midfielder either someone that can break the lines or someone box to box i'll shut my trap because it still won't be perfect but that's all i'm pleading pleading for obviously in relation to our 2-1 victory against chelsea you know north london do the thing, you know, North London do the thing, it was North versus, are they West or South or Southwest, we managed to win this London derby, we managed to make sure London is red at least for a week or so, Um, you know, it was the battle of the two new managers in that Lampard's been to three finals and failed to win, I'm sure he wanted to get one over the line, for Arteta, it's his first opportunity of winning the trophy, like I said earlier, the first monkey off his back claiming your first title, doing what Emre couldn't, you know, having your all that matters is history and when it says 2020 fa cup winners it's going to show Mikel arteta and it's going to show the collective squad um do you get it people that's all that matters and it, it, it for me it caps off an amazing six or so months for arteta i say amazing subjectively we all know arsenal hasn't been amazing but i think since arteta's come in first and foremost the best improvements he made was off the field first and foremost he made sure to make a case of the sense of the fans the players you know, everyone in the club, we need to all be collectively together. We all need to sing from the same hint sheet, you know, winning through harmony, one of Arsenal's values. He managed to do that. He restored confidence to a lot of players, you know, players that we thought were past it. He had them playing decent. You know, he made young players, gave them faith. He, he experienced players like Xhaka. He, he so far coached out bad habits and making him excel. And obviously, Xhaka's situation, you know, after what happened against Palace, few would have said he would be there lifting the FA Cup. So it shows how good his man management is, how good his people skills are. He's got a lot to learn, of course, and he will make mistakes. But 
specific to big games, definitely he, he makes me, I've been the most confident since I've been post-Venga because, you know, he's shown, against, he's shown against United, he's shown against Chelsea, he's shown against City, he's shown, obviously, Fortunus against Liverpool, but he sets us up decent in big games. He marries the two together in the sense of we need to be switched on, potentially we need to concede bulk of possession, but there's always intention when we have the ball. We're always engineering decent goals and you look at the goals against City, you look at the build-up to the penalty for, uh, on on. Saturday, he's he's implementing play. You'd, obviously, I'm not gonna lie. Emre, you know, Emre was the one who came in and said, "I want to build from the back." So these players have had a grounding in it. Um, but Arteta's taking it to another level. For me, it's the mentality. Uh, previously, we've seen Arsenal go a goal down in games, let alone a final, and then it's all over. But I think our mentality was good. It was the first tough 20 minutes from from I believe Chelsea. You know, the first 10 in particular, they started off well. They pressed us, came out the blocks. You know, Pulisic, lovely movement from an Arsenal perspective. Poor goal to concede. With Giroud getting the assist, but other than that, we played well. Obviously, Pepe played very well, in my opinion, and had a very big standout game. You know, he was doing the nutmegs, he was driving with the ball, he's taking the game by the scuff of it, scuff of its neck, firmly doing like Obama and firmly picking up where they left off against City in the semi-finals and, and things like that. I do think, to a degree, both teams cancelled each other out. You know, both teams are going free at the back. Both teams on their work, on their best that they struggled to defend. And you saw that with the three goals conceded, it all came because there's silly gaps in, in, in both teams' positioning. You know, it did seem both teams were trying to press. And once you beat that first press, you can kind of have an opportunity. Midfield was fairly open. There was periods Sabaya and Xhaka were running it. Equally, Kovacic was running it with Jorginho at times. I did think the ref, sadly, from an Arsenal perspective, I'm not complaining, which I obviously I'm not in my situation. But if it was different, I might say different. I feel the ref, you know, kind of was a dark mark on the game. Um, you know, I don't think Kovacic caught silly tackles, but I don't think Kovacic should have been sent off. There was a number of buki decisions, you know, more so, I won't lie, Chelsea, we were getting the favourable decisions. I have to keep it 100, but I felt we were equal to it. I feel Lampard's in-game management, he's shown in several games that he can change it, but I think he lost the tactical battle. I think he failed to change things very early. Um, I think Arteta just had his number. I think he failed to deal with Aubameyang out wide because he was getting into a lot of positions. Even when we um, David Luiz and Tierney were trying to hit that pass, um, I felt I think he failed tactically a lot. People, he, he took too long to change it. Um, I just I just don't think what, what he went with worked. People and for Lampard, it's another cup final. He's failed to win. You know, it's still been a decent year for Chelsea because on one hand, you know, people were saying in August they're going to come 10th. They've got no 20 league goal striker. They've got, even though Tammy played for Villa and stuff, they've got an unproven Tammy, Premier League. Certain people were saying that proper Premier League proven striker. They're not allowed a transfer ban. Lampard's new to this thing. So, you know, if you offered them fourth, then people would have bit your hands off and said it's a good season. So we need to be careful of the ever-changing narrative now. I think it is a good season for Chelsea. They got over the line. They're in the Champions League. You know, they're investing for next year. Werner's a killer in front of goal. If he hits it, they've got someone. Do you get it? They've got Hervites allegedly coming. Ziyech is there. They've got some better options, you know. Loftus-Cheek doesn't seem to be able to stay fit, but if he stays fit, they've got a better squad. What I do believe, what I believe is the next building blocks for Chelsea is a real style of play because... I do think I, I I like to know how Lampard plays. I think he likes to go forward. He likes to play forward passes. He likes to play with intention. But if I'm really harsh, it don't look like there's a style of play. It looks like there's players that are technically good at, at, at football and good at holding the ball. And a lot of players there who have been coached by Sarri and kind of got muscle memory. But it does seem like an element of freestyle. And maybe it's because Lampard hasn't had much to work with. And as he gets more specialists, you know, he's going to get a good creator that can play a couple of roles in ZH. You know, Hervites, he can play, he can situ, he can be 
situated out wide. Um, you know, for me, he's best wreaking havoc as a, as a as a sort of cam. He can play in a number of roles. You know, with time, I do think um, Hervites could even do the, the sort of deeper line playmaker, the sort of all combat midfield thing like Kevin De Bruyne to a slight degree. It'll be interesting to see what happens with him. You know, they've obviously got Gilmore, they've got Mount, they've got players, man. Chelsea got decent players. I do think, you know, they've had a decent year. Obviously, when you consider how things have gone, you know, they've got the Champions League. That's the that's the bare minimum. But I'm sure they would have liked to have finished in the Champions League spots a bit more convincingly. And obviously, they, they've got top four and you could say that was the bare minimum. So I do think there's still question marks over Lampard and Arteta. But I think they're both two good managers and they were both deserving to win this. You know, they've both had... They both done all right to get to the final and fourth source. Obviously, for Arsenal, it's a fairy tale. We showed up against Man City. You know, it's been a decent year to end to it. Obviously, domestically, the, the stats don't lie. We finished eighth. But at the end of the day, you know, it was a, it's a feel-good factor. We beat Chelsea. Um, you know, we outclassed them. We walk up, we come back from behind. You know, we beat City, Arteta's old team in the semis. Obviously, we beat Liverpool in the, in the league. We've had a decent little resurgence. And I think Arteta, long-term, Arteta might show that he's not the man to make us at Premier League stuff and all these things. But I think he's shown that you should at least back him if that conversation needs to happen in a year or two years or whatever, we have it. But I think he's shown conviction in his ideas to be backed up properly. It'll be interesting to see next season because I'm not too sure. I do think he'll play free at the back as and when it's demanded and it will be a part of us. But I don't think he wants to use it as frequently um, because there's no need to set up like that all the time. You know, It's all about the intention. As long as you're trying to go forward, you can play anybody. But I just think a lot of what he's doing this year is out of you know, out of necessity rather than design. Like, I still think, you know, there is very much a debate to be had about Aubameyang on the flanks. I don't agree with it, but it does provide balance. Um, at the moment, that seems like a little fix. Do you get it? Saka floating around a couple positions. He might he might still do that next year, but I do think we might see more of Saka holding down an extended role. Obviously, the back three, again, you'd like to imagine he wants to go with two and you actually don't even know the personnel he actually likes, to be fair, you know. So we'll have to see what happens, man, but... Arteta fully deserved that, man. You know, he deserved it. It's his bit of history. Mikel Arteta will be etched near, you know, FA Cup winning managers. For Arsenal, they've put themselves in a bit of history. You know, Maitland now is making his 100th appearance for the club and it came in a final. Hopefully he stays. He's done his thing. If Aubameyang doesn't stay and that's his last kick of a ball for us, what a way to do it. You know, it's a fantastic two goals. Stepped up for the penalty, um, you know, and obviously you showed great... Um, What's the word? Calmness to obviously chip chip um, Willy Caballero after some good play from Bellerin and obviously Pepe technically gets the assist so we can shamelessly say he got an assist in the cup final. So it's a good win, people. It's a good win. And with that, you know, since the last time Spurs won a trophy, Arteta's played 91 games for Everton, signed for Arsenal, played 150 games, won two FA Cups, retired from playing, um, became Man City's um, assistant for three years and obviously returned them within a matter of, matter of months. Obviously... Won, won the FA Cup. For Pepe, it's good. It's been a long season, but in his first season here, he's won a trophy. For Ceballos, he was linked with us and Spurs. You know, I'd like to think playing for Arsenal is the right choice. You've got silverware now. And if you stay next year, we're not playing in qualifiers like Spurs. You know, they finished eighth because us winning. I think they now have to play in qualifiers for the Europa League. Um, next season might be a tough one. Again, I don't know who we're going to bring in. And obviously, just looking at our names on the, on the injury front, 
you know, right now, Mustafi's not back until October. Marie's not back until September. Martinelli's not playing to the end of 2022. Um, you know, Chambers, you know, similar to Holden and, and Bellerin, he's going to have to go through that whole rehab phase. So I'm keen to see what we specifically do in the market, um, to be fair with you. But in terms of the FA Cup, we've won it, man. You know, we've won it 14 times, the most of any team. We're also the first side to beat the same opponent on three occasions in the FA Cup final. So obviously, like you remember, 2017, obviously, yes, well, two days ago against against them on Saturday. And I'm pretty sure we won in we won in prime when I was in primary school. I can't remember the year, man. Was it all three or four? I can't I can't remember. Let me go and let me actually look at that people. FA Cup. Let me actually find that. I want to find that for you guys, people. I should know that as an Arsenal fan because it's our tro it's our trophy. List of finals. I'm pretty sure when I was in primary school, anything from old I don't think 02, but up until 04, I'm pretty sure we played Chelsea in the final and won that, people. So let's go and look. Our last final loss was in 2001. Just show me the list of winners, man. What's going on? Winners list. Apologies, people. I've started, so I can't stop. Winners list. Just show me the whole thing. Thank you. I think we got there. Let's go all the way back. I'm sure we played them. My memory's poor. Yeah, 2002 and we won 2-0. I knew we played them. I knew we played them. I'm sure Ray Parler did a madness in that game. I remember that in primary school. I'm so sure, man. I'm, I remember bragging about in that to, to in primary. Obviously, what? That 2002 feels like it's always going to be six years ago for me, people. I'm stuck in 08, but it's two, it's, two, it's, it's 2020. Time flies, man. That was, what, 18 years ago? Bloody hell. Jesus. What, are people born in 02 or 18 now? Madness. World Cup babies. Mazzolini. Mazza. You know anyone born in 02 and they say they know about R9 and these guys, they're, they're lying, but, <laughs> but yeah, it's mad. Time's flying, man. Surprised I still got my hairline. Good jeans, man. But yeah, moving away from all of that though, like I said, Arsenal have won the trophy 15, 14 times, hopefully 15 next year. Mikel Arteta is the first Arsenal manager to win a major trophy in their first season in charge of the club since George Graham in 86-87. So you know if you're, you know, being have seen your name next to George Graham, if you, <laughs> you'd think you're on course to have a decent period as an Arsenal manager. So hopefully we start as we mean to go on. With that being said, Mikel Arteta is the first person to win the FA Cup with Arsenal, both as a player and as a manager. And it was lovely to see my manager even getting a yellow card. Commitment levels ridiculous. With Aubameyang's brace, he's the oldest player to score for Arsenal in an FA Cup final since 1932, when Bob John netted against Newcastle. And obviously, big up Aubameyang for those two goals as well. It was also lovely to see, you know, William Saliba. Obviously, the injured players as well, Mustafi, um, Chambers, Martinelli, and the rest of them involved. Yeah, in because you know they've all played a part in the FA Cup to get us there. They might not have played in the final, but they've played a part. You know, I'm sure we played what we played Portsmouth. I'm sure we played Bournemouth. I could be wrong. We played Sheffield United. We played City. Every player who has helped even in training, when even in preparation, everyone, we don't win together, we don't lose together, we're a collective, even the players that even play in the FA Cup, we've all done our bit from the coaching staff, 
upwards, you know. So it was lovely to see Saliba being involved and it was lovely to see Lacazette, um, you know, speaking French to him and saying stuff like, you're not at St Etienne anymore, here we win trophies. And then Aubameyang, obviously, he's got a lot of admiration for St Etienne. He told him to calm down. It was lovely to see the scenes, especially Maitland-Niles, Aubameyang, Lacazette, Pepe. It was good to see Pepe. Obviously, Pepe, I believe, is a devout Muslim. I didn't even know he was Muslim. Um, I know people from his country. There are a lot of Muslim people. Um and it was lovely to see Pepe saying, I'm not involved in the champagne stuff, basically. I'm just going to have a diet Fanta. It was lovely to see, man. Pepe's such a nice guy. He seems a very easygoing person. And maybe that goes against him on the football field because you want to see him be a bit more demanding. But it's lovely to see the bunch of players happy, man, because it would have been a lonely bus ride if bus ride if we lost. Obviously, we lost to this side in the Europa League. And on the topic of Pepe, I'm sure you all saw the video that's emerged that allegedly was taken on Snapchat by someone else of Pepe on Friday where he said, you know, tomorrow we qualified for the Europa League. I don't want to hear about Chelsea and Olivier Giroud. It's Aubameyang and Pepe. And I mean, Pepe got an assist. Aubameyang scored a brace. Don't know why he didn't mention Lacazette and the rest of the man then, but it is what it is. Um, it was lovely for Martinez as well, you know, fairy tale end. It's sad for Leno because Leno done his bit this season to be involved and he still is involved in this. But, you know, Martinez has stepped up, had a good season. We all know for the last 10 or so years, his quest has been to be Arsenal's number one. And, you know, many people, himself included, might have stopped believing it was going to happen. And he's made it happen. He's won the FA Cup. You know, he's got a, a bit of silverware and it goes on. It goes hand in hand with what's been a good period for him. And as his agent said and him, you know, there's still a lot to speak about because him and Leno are going to be fighting for number one or is somebody going to be sold? Is there a new contract on offer? Who knows what's going to happen in that regard? For the players as well, it's been reported that the 12.5 salary salary pay cut they took people um you know obviously with covid will be reduced to 7.5 percent obviously after winning the europa league so with that being said it means you know the finances are looking a bit better for the lads which you know let's talk about that it can't be wrong um i'd like to see the bonuses because you'd imagine the Bamians, he must get a bonus if they win cups anyways he must get goal scoring bonuses there must be sat him there people hopefully that man signs a new deal we'll get on to touch on a bit of that uh, later um, with that being said, I spoke on it vaguely, but apparently because of Arsenal's FA Cup win, Spurs will enter the Europa League on the 17th of September in the second qualifying round. They faced they faced three one-off ties, the location to be decided by a random draw to eat to reach the group stage. So three games, you know, while the season started or just before the season started, you'd imagine, you know, Spurs can play their youngsters and still get through. But it's an inconvenience. Obviously, it disrupts Jose's plans. And for every Premier League team, you know, there's barely any pre-season, which could be a gift, could be a curse. And when you've got this now complicating things, it's a problem. Obviously, we've got the community shield, but this is a madness. And apparently a potential pick for of qualifying is that Spurs will not know if they're in the Europa League group stage and therefore in the money until October the 1st which raises the possibility that that some slash most of their transfer business could be left late and you know similar to Arsenal maybe being in Europe impacts what they're allowed to do so a lot of teams are going to have to earn their money a lot of executives are really going to have to pull it out um Obviously, for Jose Mourinho's men, it, force, it, it, it makes their, their task harder. I'm sure they're happy to just be in the qualifying stages because they must have considered this possibility and yet they still celebrated like they won the league. Not that they know about that at Selhurst Park when they drew with Palace. Spurs fans, I've got to do it, man. We've won the FA Cup. I'm feeling a bit bossy today. So, in other ones there, like there's not been too much to speak about about Arsenal fans. We ain't had too much um, to do in terms of puffing out our chest. And I know we're annoying people and saying we finished eighth and stuff. Yeah, we know that, but we got a trophy. Them ones there. 
So yeah, it was lovely to win the FA Cup, people. It's a good end to the season, but there's firmly a lot of work for Arsenal to do. Um, moving away from that, because we spent a long time on that, Eddie Newton, you lot know people. Apparently, you know, he's now become the permanent Trambospor's manager, Turkish club, I can't say their name. This follows, obviously, as as a caretaker boss, he won the Turkish Cup. And at 48 years of age, that's a fantastic thing for him. He's done a lot of work, particularly in Chelsea's academy. He's held positions at, I believe, West Brom. He's held positions within um, the first team set up under um, Di Matteo. And he, you know, he, he's within his rights to seek being a manager within his own rights. And it's ironic that a British manager has to go to somewhere like Turkey before he's given an opportunity in his homeland, like, you know, to win a trophy. So big up. Turkey as a nation for having opportunities and big up the team and and it's the coaching staff for having uh, having faith in him. You know he spent he was twice assistant manager at Chelsea in his eight years I believe, um, and he's now become the permanent gaffer. And you know, it's good for me because again black footballers are widespread, but it's about seeing people you can believe in. I don't see a lot of black physios like I can't tell you one. I don't see black referees. I don't see black coaches. And this indirectly tells black people and ex-players that they might not be suited to leadership roles or careers in management you know there's always a ray if you want it bad enough you can do it and i think people hide behind the whole there's no there's the diversity things a problem let me not try but at the same time there is evidently issues people it's a bit like acting is it a coincidence a lot of british actors they go over to america and establish themselves and they come back or that you might watch them on, in a sitcom or something and you're like oh I swear down these lot of british swear down idris is british swear down um Damon Idris, forgive me, is British, the guy from Snowfall. There's couple, man, there's even one long-time actor. One of them actors, I know a lot of, you know, all my black people that watch this, I know you lot watch a lot of African-American movies. There's one one black guy, bold guy, like he's always in all the uh, movies, always in all of them, talks with a bad, real good, bad boy American accent. I found that he was British the other day, I was like, Ross, swear done. I swear done. So it's all the parallels are the same, people, really, with football. I know I went off task and, and started talking about acting and stuff, but you get. And, you know, the facts are there. There's currently six or non white head coaches in, in the 92 clubs in the English Professional League. And when it says six or non white, again, specifics who is Asian, who is black, who is whatever, because, you know, in England, we like to hide behind this BAME thing and, and, and inflate numbers. And I think it's disrespectful that you're, in, you're, you're literally, you know, Asia's got how, how many different countries and let alone diverse nations within their own, diverse people within their own lands, um, you know, the whole region of Asia, Africa, the same. We look at somewhere like Nigeria. Bad, bad boy country, you know, rich of culture, many different tribes and things like that. Obviously, we're all one people, our melanin's the same. But do you get it? And you're clumping all... You're having a problem clumping everyone in as black, let alone as BAME. It is a problem, people. It doesn't help anybody at all, you know. The needs for some one ethnic group might be different. And for Eddie Newton, he re recognises this. He said, I've been trying to become a number one for a while now. I just didn't see it happening in England. The fact that I've moved to another country and it's taken six months to become caretaker manager, I've been working in football all my life. So that's why I felt there was more opportunity over here. So I had to take the chance, look up and down the league. Then obviously I've, I've copied and pasted what I feel is relevant. He said, look up and down the league, not my opinion or anyone else's opinion. Just look at the facts. There are very few black managers in the league. Therefore, the numbers don't lie. I think I've got to a point where I thought I have to take this opportunity, I have to take this chance now, or maybe it will never happen for me. And then he also went on to say, "You would have liked to think so, but I don't see, I don't, I don't see that that was ever going to happen." There was a big clamor for Frank Lampard, even when he 
he took the derby job. Even if he'd done a half-decent job, it was written all over the stars that he was going to come to Chelsea. So I never saw that coming. If you don't enforce something, if you don't push something, then nothing will change. The status quo will always be the same. I don't want to be here in 20 years' time talking about the next crop of managers having the same frustrations as we're having. If anything is going to happen, it needs to be enforced. At least have an interview. You might be surprised when you sit down with the guy and find out this is the man. He actually might be the man. Now, listen, I've spoken a lot about this. I don't really want to go over it again, people. It's the same old, same old. I do think within 20 years, Eddie, we're going to be sitting in this position. You know, you look at the owners of the clubs. How many black people have they got in their contact books? What sort of walk of life are they typically from? You can see how the problems already exist, people. You know, I look at not even just that. I look at Les Ferdinand. Who else is sporting directors and technical directors and things like that? Do you get it? The upper, the upper you go in a club, the less black faces or ethnic faces you see. Do you get it? a club like Arsenal? We could sit here until we're black in the blue in the face. Sorry, black and well, blue in the face. Sorry, is the term talking about black players? How many black coaches can you name? How many black academy staff can you name? How many technical directors? As you go up the club, does it does it not just every club? Does it reflect the multiculturalness and the diverseness that makes football beautiful at Premier League level? No. I don't want changes for the sake of changes. The people that come in have to be have to be allowed. I don't. I think I speak for most black people in particular. Cause I can't speak for no one else. We don't want handouts. We want equal opportunity. We want an opportunity to show our levels. We don't want to be somewhere just because we're black. You know, we want to show that we're good enough. It's just the fact that you know our color of our skin seems to be an issue as to breaking down barriers due to conscious and unconscious biases that may be at play, people. And obviously the last paragraph I read was in relation to the Rooney rule, which you lot can make up your own decisions on. Moving away from that though, folks, and Scunthorpe United are investigating disgusting social media comments about forward Olafema Olomola. Forgive me for mispronunciation. He's a 22-year-old striker. I believe he's on loan from Scunthorpe at Carlisle. The 22-year-old shared a screenshot um, of a Facebook page paid page sorry made where one of the club supporters referred to the color of his skin before i begin you know as olomola already knows and as you lot know black is beautiful love your melanin don't let these clowns ever try and make you ashamed of who you are but i already assume he's got thick skin he already knows the thing because he's a professional footballer and without even knowing it, I, i'm pretty sure his parents must have banged at home you know and also it's sad something needs to be done, you know, Jude Bellingham, 17 years of age, having a world worldy of a season, you know, completing a dream move to Dortmund is being racially abused. A man is 17, 18 years of age. Zaha for years has been getting it. Bear man have been getting it. Now, I'm not saying Wiley was right in his com in his comments, but the way Riley, Wiley saw it was pulled up on his stupid comments, allegedly, and... and, and and banned from social media and, and all of these things. Where has that been? I'm not ta I'm talking about the actions, you know, the actions that preceded that that preceded the initial act. Where is that? Where is the clampdown? Because all fun and games condemning Wiley, but what about the honest idiot that is that is in their bedroom talking was and keeps going up? Because you're forgetting social media, there's a lot of illnesses. There's men that take joy out of mocking someone 10 times that person reacts and they're like oh you're rattled or they take pride in just getting onto them and some people don't even know the, the problems they're calling either way if people were named and shamed and, and whatnot they'd stop this because you're either going to get a punch in the face lose your job or get condemned then obviously we all know with the anonymous thing it gives people a platform to hide and a coward thing which you know Olomolo already knows so i know this ain't affecting him it's sad to see 
you know, players of all levels. It don't matter who you are. They've probably all got a story to tell at some point in their footballing career of racial abuse. Um, so it's sad to see he's being they're getting they're getting at him on Facebook. The post has since been condemned by fans and removed allegedly. And you know, United Scunthorpe United have said they will deal with those responsible. How you deal with those, I'm not too sure. But he said, we, well, they, they made a statement as expected. They're hardly going to say different. We stand with Alomola and anyone who has suffered racism in any shape or form. Apparently, the post did not mention Alomola by name, but referenced the colour of his skin when discussing if he should be given a chance with the Irons after spending last season on loan with Carlisle. Um, apparently, a further, a, further po- a further post from the same account said they would be very loudly if Scunthorpe players were to show their support for Black Lives Matter movement by taking the knee when the club returns to actions. Um, obviously, the club distanced themselves. And this shows that, again, people in life, in all society, and I even see it with my deluded thing, when I speak about several um, incidences and racial incidences, they might don't ever think certain people like you. They like what you can do. They like what you can offer, but they never like you. They never care for you. Do you get it? Because I've seen, I've watched documentaries of racist fans where they say, I love Dion Dublin. But I'll never let someone like him marry my daughter. And this tells you it. It's almost like they look at they look at football and a slavery thing. I'm not saying the club. I'm saying these racist fans. They just see you as their property and you're as good to them until you're disposable. And it's sh- and it's shameful. So hopefully the investigation leads to leads to something and someone gets pulled up on it. Um, but I won't personally be holding my breath. Um, moving away from that though, and I'm all sure you saw Celtic. Um, Recorded a convincing win over Hamilton and Eduardo Arsenal link scored a hat trick. So maybe that's something to pre the highlights. It was a decent three goals from him. Frank Lampard, the loser of the FA Cup on Saturday, has said the Premier League is scheduled to return too early given his side schedule. Now, apparently, the Premier League will liaise with clubs and help guys and things. And like I spoke about, Spurs have a bit of a dodgy, dodgy one with the Europa League. We've got the Community Shield, as do Liverpool. And Liverpool are coming off the back of a hectic campaign anyways. You know, Premier League, there's a lot of games. They play Champions League. You know, they had to change the the clubs, the squads for the FA Cup and, and all these things. They've had the club cup. So their boys probably need a rest as well. Hella people probably need a rest and things. Frank Lampard believes next season's start date of the 12th of September is too early, though. Um, the start date was confirmed last month. But as you lot know, Bayern Munich and Chelsea are facing a rescheduled last round 16. Um, you know, if if Chelsea obviously fail to overturn the 3-0 def- deficit, which is unlikely they do, but things can happen, they'll have just 35 days before the new Premier League season. Players need to be given a break to play at the level and quality product the Premier League is, Lampard said. Apparently, it is understood that when Premier League clubs agreed the new start date, it was also clear that a break of at least 30 days would be permitted for Chelsea and any other clubs playing in end-of-season European competitions. And he also said, I'd like to think the Premier League would look seriously at that. Hopefully, they've given us a fair start next season. Even in the worst-case scenario, we don't go through against Bayern. The the 12th feels too early for me and the players to start playing again. Yeah, Lampard, there's a lot of valid claims and you're having a lot of injuries. But at the same time, it's a cop-out. You've agreed to it. Maybe not you directly, but your club's agreed to it. Everybody, to a degree, is going to have problems. You've got a decent, you know, the squad's big enough. You can use young players. You sign Hakim Ziyech, you know, Werner. T- players whose seasons ended earlier than you lot, um, and and Hervites is allegedly coming, so you've got a bigger squad. You know, you've got to, you've got to use that. You know, they said thirty days, you've got thirty five. You know, and also we can't forget 
you know, the, play, the players have had a break with Project Restart, you know. I think they should go off for a couple of weeks because I think it's a case of, you know, men mentally recharging your batteries now. I don't think it's a fitness thing. Players are not even going to let their fitness levels drop because realistically, you'd be an idiot too, wouldn't you? So, you see what happened when certain players came back looking like turkeys. Surely it doesn't make no sense, you know. You know there's hardly any rest. You know the games are coming thick and fast. You know the season is, you know, there's hardly any break. So players are going to do their little bits on, on, on holiday, you know. I'm not saying they're going to be out there doing bleep tests for all, all day but they're going to do little bits to keep them ticking over you know they're going to enjoy themselves and like I said mentally it's, it's what I advocate for you know it's been a long season for all clubs go on holiday with your kids and your family go and do sightseeing go and do what normal people do you know recharge your mental batteries and then come back ready for what your team needs to do next season sort of thing um so I think that man, I really think I think it's a cop out to a degree. You've got a bigger, you're gonna have a bigger squad, Lampard. I do think there's he's valid in his claims, but at the same time, it is what it is in this regards, people. Um, I'm all sure you've seen. Sadly, Barnet have closed their academy, and Barnet had a good structure, particularly selling players onto bigger clubs. You know, obviously with their them failing on the football field and them dropping through the, the divisions, it probably makes it unfeasible. And it said, you know, league is not the only life changing for the club's young players from under nines up until under 18s. It's you know they've got rid of it, and most of their staff have been on furlong, um, and apparently there's been redundancy notices as well. Um, it's quite it's quite sad people and obviously they're not buying it as a result of dropping through the leagues they're not going to get parachute payments i mean just the other day they used to challenge brighton for the academy title at their level people and they did they did their thing people um you know you've got a rate bonnet because they were a fourth division team surviving in a cat surviving in cat two you know they had good facilities in theory a league a league two club could obviously have cat one academy if they could afford it but as you lot know it's a problem people um you know, Huddlesfield Town had a Cat 4 academy in 2018-19. You know, most academies reflect their first team's environment, you know. Um, it is quite sad. Um, Barnet, I remember Barnet, when the e, when the EPPP plan, when the Elite Player Performance Plan came around, Barnet didn't have enough players really and truly to field anything. Um so they've always been at they've always been at a problem, and you know to put into context Barnet's academy failings. Now you know Brighton have moved to Category One with their twenty million facility. Now Barnet have obviously followed Dagenham and Redbridge, York and Hartlepool out of the EFL youth system altogether. And I I don't I understand it. It's sad because there's a lot of players that simply are not going to become professional footballers because they're not going to play anywhere else. There's you know potential thousands that Barnet could have earned. You know players are gonna you know we've got up Arsenal. We've took a couple of Barnet players from youth days to to when there's been several other occasions elsewhere you know Chelsea have done it so they're potentially losing out on that sort of thing as well people um but I can't blame Barnet you know they're dropping through the divisions they can't simply afford it there's no parachute payments they're falling through the divisions you know it, it it's a business at the end of the day and it's sad that a lot of people are going to lose jobs coaches are not going to be there to coach the under 18s there's going to be less physios because there's going to need no need to be under 18s physio players are not going to have clubs you know coach drivers are gonna have to go elsewhere all the little things people um you know people that um earn another income by hosting people in digs are not going to be able to do that but i can't fault them people i can't fault them because academy business it is a lot of money like i did at first i used to get vexed when i heard academies are closing but i actually can't fault if it is like when you look at Brentford, it probably is more cost effective. Like I said, they probably lost a lot of talented under eights, under tens, under eighteens, and whatnot. But they said, "Listen, this academy thing ain't paying us. We're getting, a, we're having to pay a lot of money. What we're gonna do is find the elite under, let's say top sixteen to." 
20 year olds make them in the b team if they excel they get they get first team if they and then we sell them on and have a model and that's a better way of spending money which i get it so i especially the lower clubs i do compromise how much of a heavy burden it is obviously um it is sad because barnet is one of the most multicultural teams people you know of the 16 players who won the Central League Cup in 2017, just two were white. Not that I'm advocating for less white players, but, you know, I'm just highlighting the point that they're doing a lot for BAME individuals. The vast majority of their under-18 who went further in the FA Youth Cup this um, this season than any other Barnet side are BAME, as is their manager, Danny Sedan, now back in the AFL coaching, obviously, letting Orient's first team. Um, so they were providing young men, especially young Bay men, with an opportunity to make something of themselves. So it's quite sad to see that with Barnet. But, you know, hopefully they bounce back and everything there, man, because it's never nice to see that um, at all, really and truly, people, to be honest with you. Now, moving away from that, I saw Sky Sports and Sky Sports had what they believe is called random stats of the season. 14 random stats. So I'm going to read them off. Arsenal have reached the cup final in each of the last five seasons that they have finished lower than fifth in the league, going back to 1988. Aubameyang is only the second Arsenal player to score 20 league goals in consecutive Premier League seasons after Thierry Henry, who obviously did it five years in a row between 01 and 06. But Burnley's 14-point improvement on last season was the biggest in the Premier League this season. Sean Dyke's side finished 10th place with 54 points. And to be fair, without the mathematics, you might say um, Burnley had an iffy season when you consider them all, but, you know, it's about where you start and finish and that's where it is. It was a year for youth because 25 goals were scored by teenagers in the Premier League this season with 12 different scorers. There were only 19 such goals in previous two campaigns combined. Now, I don't know if Billy Gilmore scored, but I'm just going to list random kids, you know, Saka, Billy Gilmore, I, I believe Foden technically turned 20 midway through the season. You know, Mason Greenwood needs no introduction. Um, who else is there? I don't even know if Callum Hudson-Odoi scored in the Premier League technically. Joe Willock has, um, but he's technically turned 20 now, so he don't count. There's a bunch of young players, so I'd, I'd, like, I'd actually love that. Curtis Jones. Actually, probably going to go and look at all the young players and see who has actually bagged people because it's been a decent year. You've seen a couple of people making debuts and getting opportunities. Um, you know, Matt, Matty Longstaff became the first teenagers to score in the Premier League against Manchester United since 2010 um, in October. You know, Mason Greenwood um, became the youngest goals, youngest player to score two or more goals in the Europa League or in UEFA competition for the club at 18 years of age quite a good feat for him at Man United. Apparently, you know, Bournemouth did not face a single shot on target in their draw against Tottenham 0-0 in July, the first time they have failed to do the first time they have failed to do so in five seasons in the Premier League where they faced 10 in a game against United, which is crazy. Apparently, Spurs had 80.2% of possession in their 1-0 defeat to Newcastle, the second highest total by losing team since Optus actually started collecting these statistics. Wolves had a good year, as you know, and they ended the season with fewer than 10 league defeats for the first time in top division history since they last won the title, which was in 1958-89. So Wolves might be thinking they can win the title. Ings has proved one of the bargains of the seasons up there with Kieran Tierney, in my opinion. It's not spoken about. Danny Ings is the first player to score 20 or more Premier League goals in a season playing for a bottom half side since Darren Bent got 24 for Sunderland in 9 10 Um also with that Ings is the Premier League's top goal scorer excluding penalties excluding pens you know Danny Ings is ahead of, ahead of Aubameyang by one he's on 20 Aubameyang is on 20 um, Raheem Sterling's on 20 Vardy is on 19 
Mane's on 18, Martial is on 17, Rashford is nowhere to be seen. Um, Laporte has featured 15 times in the Premier League this season and City have conceded just five goals with him on the field. They conceded 30 in 23 games he missed. And I get that. Listen, losing a key player can disrupt any season, but the, the sort of coach that Pep Guardiola is, the stuff he's done in the game, the amount of money the City have spent, the amount of quality players they have, you know, their season shouldn't have been derailed to this level because of Laporte. You know, you, you'd imagine... Pep should have coached John Stones to the level where he could step in. You know, they've got Fernandinho, they've got Rodri, they've got academy prospects. You know, it's a cop-out. Laporte, Laporte getting injured at the time he did, did kind of help Liverpool. But, you know, I'll be saying the same thing. If Liverpool were running away with the league and Van Dijk got injured and they didn't win the league or they bottled it, I'd say the same thing. You know, a title-winning team should not be disrupted by one player. You know, obviously, if you lose a Van Dijk, if you lose this, if you lose that, but you should be able to get over the line. You should... You know, because you're not a, a title winning team needs a collective. Do you get it, people? So I'm not having that, man. Um, minutes conceded per centre back, though. Laporte is obviously first with 220. Um, Willy Bolly of, of Wolves is there with 131. Third place, you've got Liverpool's Joe Gomez with 124. You've got Sheffield United's um, Egan with 106. And you've also got um, O'Connell on 104. Then you've got Van Dyke with 103. Um, you know, Mikel Arteta has become the first person to win to to win the, the FA Cup after um, managing and obviously captaining it for Arsenal. Um, twenty seven of Arsenal's of, of Chelsea's Premier League goals were scored by players aged twenty two or under, compared to an average of two point two five per season across the previous four campaigns. So yeah, Lampard is fully giving you for chance. Um, that's that people with that. Eddie Howe's obviously, you know, leaving Bournemouth or looks set to leave Bournemouth or has left Bournemouth at this point. You know, it's ever it's ever changing. You know, I do think he'll get a Premier League move. To who, I'm not too sure. I don't know if promoted clubs will stick with the players who help them. Um, Roy Hodgson is is linked with keep it with um, calling it a day. He might leave, and that's an opposition there. You know, anything anything can happen. Maybe if Watford stayed in the league, that would have been something for Eddie Howe. You know, there might there's always there's always something. I don't know where he'd go, but you'd imagine there's a move there. Obviously, the last time he left Bournemouth, you know, he kind of didn't do well at Burnley. I know there was off-the-field matters that kind of didn't happen for him, but there's that. I think Eddie Howe's a good gaff for people, really and truly, and I think he's, he'll only grow. And I think I won't go as far as to say he's an old-school manager because he's not, but when you're looking at, you know, the old-school dynamic in a manager being at a club for years, you know, he's the closest thing we probably had in the Premier League to Chris... to, to um probably Chris Wilder now, but to a Ferguson or, or a Wenger in that the club is kind of within reason in your image. you kind of been there for a while and stuff. And Eddie Howe's jump ship, I mean, you know, it's, you know, he's, you, you can't disrespect Eddie Howe. He's taking them from, from League 2 to the Premier League. So by that logic, it can be done again. But as you lot know, Bournemouth are in a serious problem financially. You know, they've got no exit release clauses. They needed to pay an EFL fine, I believe. Their club situation has been delicate already. They're going to obviously lose the riches you get from the TV money. I know they'll be of the Premier League. I know they'll be parachute money, but, you know, they're going to have to reinvest. They're going to have to sell a lot of players. And even when they reinvest, are they going to bring in players that you are going to be able to look at and say, yo, you're going up? If I'm Arsenal, I'm looking to see if we can loan a couple of players to the Championship next year. And I'm pretty sure another of clubs are looking at it. But, you know, if they lose Wilson, Josh King, you know, Ake's gone to City, essentially. You know, Fraser's kept it moving and played no part. You'd imagine Lewis Cook would stay, but Lewis Cook could probably bag a move. Um, Davy Brooks as well, probably bag a move. You know, Stanislas is a man you could see staying, equally getting a move. 
Um, I don't think any defenders excluding Ramsdale might get one, but I see him staying. I don't think any defenders get moves personally. I think Francis, Cook, Smith, them sort of man, they're, they're, they're good where they are. I don't think people are going to take a chance. Solanke, I don't know if he'll be playing Premier League football because he worked hard in that. But, you know, if we was to look at Eddie Howe's negatives, you know, they spent... Bournemouth spent 34 million, you know, bringing in Jordan Ibe and Solanke from, from Anfield. Liverpool are laughing. Solanke cost 90 million, 19, and he scored three goals in 32 league games, people. Ibe's their record signing, and Ibe's done F all for Bournemouth. You know, I would love to go and ask Bournemouth fans his top five games. They can't tell you that, you know, he's not near any, you know, all time top goal scorers, anything clear, you know, anything you would establish, try and attribute to a record signing. It's it's not there for him, people. He scored, he started just two league goals and he hasn't, and, and I don't know for any many goals he has, but it clearly hasn't worked for him. Um, obviously, Eddie Howe obviously felt to actually improve their defensive issues as well. You know, all you had to do is look at 2018-19 season. They conceded 70 goals in the league when they finished 14th. That was the highest outside the relegation clubs. And, you know, even if you remember that year, Cardiff went down and they conceded fewer. Obviously, they conceded, you look at it, yeah, they conceded 70 goals for that campaign. You know, they conceded 65 goals this campaign, which shows, I guess, statistically a slight improvement, but it, it still shows the issues. And 22 of the 38 games were defeats, people, you know. So now they've lost Ake, it's even going to get worse. So we'll have to see what happens in that regards. In relation to the transfer news to wrap up this thing, people, apparently Jose Mourinho's been offered the chance to sign Troy Deeney. You know, he'd probably be a decent backup. You know, I don't know how many, I don't know if he'll be a reliable goal scorer for, for Spurs. I think he's someone you get in as well as a probably a, a proper sort of number two plan striker. I think he'd be good. You know, it, I don't want to be that guy, but he's experienced. I see him as a Jose signing. I see him, I see jo, um, Dini patterning up the side around the field and he's an experienced sort of head and, you know, that might be able to benefit them. Um, and that, obviously Dini's got a year left at Watford. He might want to stay, maybe staying in the championship. It would benefit Dini, but You'd imagine the chance to join Spurs, you know, Europa League football, do things he can't do at Watford at his age. He wouldn't turn it down if there is legs to it. Apparently, AC Milan and Napoli are in talks with Norwich for Ben Godfrey um, after obviously Norwich were relegated. Not too sure what to make of that. Apparently, Man United are hoping to use Chris Smalling, who's had a decent year at Roma, as part of a swap deal to um, sign Milan Skriniar, who apparently Inter Milan are going to offer in the swap deal for Ndombele. Not too sure if that's true. You know, Man United have made no secret of needing a left-sided centre-half and apparently Ed Woodward has held talks with the agents, um, with the agent of um, Gabriel of Lille um, to, for, for the defender. And they've also been linked with Monaco's centre-half um, Benoit Banishile. I can't say his name, but I'm sure Henri gave him his debut a couple of seasons ago. He's 19. He, he is quite tall. He's decent on the ball. He can be a prospect. Um, so it is a decent name to be linked with. Apparently, Liverpool have moved ahead of PSG in the race to sign Thiago from Bayern Munich, and it's very likely they'll sign him. Um, Derek Origi, um, Dioc Origi, sorry, um, is being linked with a move to Aston Villa from Liverpool, and you know he might want to concede that it's time to go play first team football. You've won the Champions League, you've won the Prem. It's not going to get much better than being this sort of squad option at Liverpool. And to be honest, you know, in the same way, Firmino and them front three men know nobody is challenging them even on their worst days. Origi must know. Listen, I'm not. I can't offer what what Firmino does. I'm not scoring what Mane and Thing does. So there's no place for me here. You know, all, with all due respect, I've won what I've needed to win. I've played for a big club in Liverpool. I'm 25 now. Let me go and settle down roots and play somewhere. You know, I don't know if that's going to be here or abroad. But good luck to him if that's what he's going to do. 
You lot know Emmanuel Dennis of Club Rouge. He's been doing decent in the Europa League when people have been looking. Apparently, a number of clubs, European clubs, are in touch for the 22-year-old and a list of clubs are being reported as Leeds, United, Inter Milan, Atlanta, Borussia Dortmund and Arsenal. I'm sure you've all seen Osimhen has obviously completed his move to Napoli. Um, you know, Napoli's um, president has confirmed Milik will be sold to the highest bidder. He's been linked with a move to Juventus. But back to Osimhen, he's, you know, apparently he'll join for 71.2 million euros plus an extra 10 million in guaranteed bonuses, which, you know, again, Leo are making profit. They took him off Wolfsburg for a couple of pennies. Now look what they're selling him for. They've signed a new centre-half who I've never seen play, but, you know, I can imagine that's a replacement, if not a partner for Gabriel. Obviously, they've signed Pepe and they've obviously signed wingers to replace them. And when you look at the fact that they've got a Kone, Bamba, a couple of other players, they are going to keep this model up, you know, with Luis Campos if he's still there. Um, they're obviously going to buy a goalkeeper from Napoli for five million in return as well. Apparently, Osimhen had phone calls with Jurgen Klopp and obviously Ole Gunnar Solskjaer about a possible move, but said no. And the only way I see that is because you know he's left. He went. He didn't. You know, as a teenager, even before Wolfsburg, Arsenal were looking at him. He went for Wolfsburg for development. He's gone Leo where he can play. And with all due respect to Napoli, he's gone to Napoli where he can play, feel important, probably stay there for a couple of years, and then you know if 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 Jurgen Klopp and, and Ole are still there, or if Man United and Liverpool are still interested, or Madrid, then he develops, then make or buy in, then make a move to them. I think he probably conceded. He might not get as much football potentially and I'm not too sure because clearly Klopp needs a striker he tried to get Werner United obviously they've got a good front three with Rashford, Martial and Greenwood but I don't know if Agarlo's going to be there long term did they sign somewhere else um, with that being said wrapping it up with Arsenal though apparently um, Stan Kroenke is willing to stan sanction a new three-year deal for Aubameyang after the FA Cup, you know, we all know Aubameyang's current contract of 180k a week expires next summer, but his contract also has a 12 month extension clause. It clause, sorry, it's been reported that that must be used by Arsenal by December the 31st, which would then see his wages go up significantly. There were also reports saying that, um, Aubameyang wants to see what we're doing in the market. He wants to see clear intent, proper intent before making a decision, which I would back if I was him. Away from that, though, apparently Wilfred Zaha is still on Arsenal's agenda as Mikel Arteta is also a fan. We've also been linked with Seville's Brazilian 27-year-old defender, Diego Carlos, who's had a decent year in La Liga. Sammy McBell has reported the same thing in that Bellerin or Lacazette, if a sizable offer comes, can be sold. Apparently, Socrates, Guendouzi, Torreira, Mkhitaryan, who's already gone. Kolasinac, Mustafian holding up all in the shop window. Apparently, Arsenal and Danny Sabas have also talked about the renewal of a loan deal, uh, making obviously him stay in here, stay in Arsenal. He's also been linked with Petis, but um, in terms of wages and not playing in Europe, it complicates matters for them. Apparently, Arsenal have accepted a 90, uh, 900k, 900,000 offer from commentary for our youngster Ben Shave, who at his age, 22 years of age, needs to go and play football. Um, so it is what it is in that regards, people. And that wraps up a fantastic podcast. I've really enjoyed being here, to be honest with you. Maybe it's because Arsenal won the FA Cup. But yeah, man, thank you very much for staying with me throughout the season. Obviously, I'll be back again if, if and when there's something I feel or a bulk of things to speak about. But for now, it's always a pleasure. Deluded, I'm out, man. Thank you. <laughs>